Welcome to the Elder Hour podcast, where we discuss the history of plants from a magical perspective. We'll be exploring the history, lore, and mystical properties of a new plant every single week. I'm your host, Juliette Diaz, an indigenous Taino bruja and seer from a long line of medicine women and men. I have a master's of science in herbal medicine, best-selling author of Witchery, Embrace the Witch Within, and founder of Plant Coven. And I'm your host, Chelsea Selby, owner of occult bath and body brand, Witch Baby Soap, college-educated holistic health practitioner, and lifelong witch. This week, we're going to be discussing Rose of Jericho, a.k.a. the Resurrection Flower, a.k.a. the Flower of Shakti, a.k.a. the Rosa Maria, a.k.a. the Rose of the Virgin, a.k.a. Kaf Marjam, a.k.a. the Christmas Flower. And the Resurrection Fern and Resurrection Plant. It has so many names. Yes. Um, so I want to start off by saying that there's only about 130 plants in the world with the ability to resurrect, and this is one of them. Yeah, this plant is probably one of my favorites. I have one that's um, 14 and a half years old. Um, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Yes, and it's been with us that long, and I have a few other ones that also been over seven years with us. I've actually never worked with Rose of Jericho before. It's really at first you just don't know what to do with it. You have to, you do have to create a bond with the plant itself. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people who buy it, they'll right away get excited and they start working with it, but you really do have to create a bond with this plant because its spirit is so, I believe it's one of like a high frequency plant. You know how we talk about the rose being very high energy. Uh-huh. I feel that from the rose of Jericho. Oh wait, it says rose on it i just <laughs> rose of jericho and roses to me have the same um level of frequency yeah that makes sense uh, there's a couple things that i i feel like would align with this just based on what we're talking about um and i'll i'll talk about those at the end when we talk about like practical pra- practical magic you know so um there are actually two different species of plants that are called the rose of jericho anastatica hyrochundica uh-huh. is the one from northeastern africa and the middle east um that one requires soil to resurrect and it's part of the mustard family and blooms little white flowers this one is considered the quote-unquote true version of uh, the Rose of Jericho, and it's also more rare. And then there's Selaginella lepidophila, and that is the common version. This one is from – it originates in Mexico, New Mexico, and Arizona. It's slightly smaller. It seems to bloom quicker, and if you look at the 10.6 thousand Instagram photos tagged with Rose of Jericho, this is likely the one that you're going to see. Yeah, and this is the one that is used um, for magical purposes um, rather than the other one. This is definitely the one um, you should get if you're wanting to work with it for magical and healing. Yeah, I feel like the other one has a lot more um, uh, roots in like the Abrahamic religions than really witchcraft, you know? Yep. Um, So... 
we can just like dive right into it. Uh, this is a plant that obviously fascinates cultures around the world. It's in a lot of, you know, religious and magical practices. Um, according to Christian lore, the plant blossoms at the birth of Christ, closes at crucifixion, and then opens again at resurrection. Um, it's also said to grow wherever the Holy Family rested, and it's said to have followed Jesus when he spent 40 days in the desert. The scriptural saying, blown like stubble before the wind, actually stems from the Rose of Jericho and the way it blows away like a tumbleweed. In folk Catholicism, it was used during childbirth, and you'll see this repeat in many cultures. Um, It has a very deep connection to birthing and all that type of stuff. Um, Sir Thomas Brown noted in his works in 1646 that the Rose of Jericho is to be placed in water on Christmas Eve and then removed after Christmas to stimulate the womb opening and closing. Um, I don't know why, but to me, this feels really reductive to anatomy and women as solely birthers and kind of like rubs me the wrong way. I don't know if it well, makes it you should rub you the wrong way because it's a bunch of hoo-ha. That is not <laughs> what the rose of Jericho is supposed to be used for or how it's supposed to be used. Um, but after you go, you finish, you know, I'm going to come in with my... um. Yeah, like I've seen some images on Google of people like putting little little babies like it's a manger in the rose of jericho and i don't know why it just like i it just didn't vibe with me like like the saint lucy story like totally vibed with me this is not vibing with me because like the way that i look at it is it like it erases uh mary as a person it's like talk it seems it comes off like talking about talking for somebody when they're in the room yeah exactly you know, uh, so then this tradition of the the womb opening it it, it carries over to Easter um, when Jesus is resurrected. So you take it out again and use it for Easter. And then there's vigils that take place around it in the Alps and in Switzerland. It's set out in a bowl on Christmas Eve and sung to. <laughs> but now that I know the meaning, they're just singing to this like this, <laughs> just singing to this womb or whatever. I don't know. I just. It's just yeah. they're following whatever they read um, in these texts. And it's interesting because the story, I, I know I read through the whole, the entire, several stories of the Bible and this uh, Rose of Jericho. Um, and it does mention something that was very interesting to me, which really identifies the fact that they, this is like a stolen story um, mm-hmm. where the Rose of Jericho, when Jesus was in um, the desert, and it came from all of the directions. So they were just coming from all directions and just kept him company. Um, and that's in different kinds of, there's different stories with that, right? Um, but all of them's talking about it coming from different directions. So when I say different directions, what does that say to you? That's very indigenous. That's something that um, is connected to indigenous stories and not even indigenous America, but this is in Africa where um, original tribes back then, they would blow them themselves from different directions to um, when they wanted to create a ceremony of rebirth. So if they had, for instance, like the crops 
or they had family members that they they thought were either cursed or you know back then cursed meant like you know you, you're you're having a lot of bad luck in the family like um there's deaths happening um maybe your crops are not growing so to kind of reset your life and have a rebirth of it um they were blown from the different directions to a center um, and then in the center, they ha- would dig a little hole and put water, like a little pond, so that they would end up in that little pond and they would resurrect there. And That's so interesting. It is interesting because that com- that story originates way before the Bible. Um, and, you know, me and the Bible don't go together because I'm indigenous and a lot of the stuff in there, I know it to be very stolen from everything from pagans to native americans and it's just from Mm -hmm. all over the world but um this particularly rode me the wrong way because um, rose of jericho is really holy and very sacred i don't care what word you want to use but it's a really sacred being um and it has a lot of significance with presenting to you what life means or what it is like i have it in my book also yeah Uh, and I talk about um, its properties, like new beginnings, abundance, happiness. But most importantly, it teaches you that even in the state of death, you are not dead. You still have a spirit. And that's what Rosa Jericho symbolizes and stands for. I love that. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And it's just a, a constant reminder that there's never, there's no ending. It's just a cycle, right? Like you keep resurrection i remember growing up i had an issue with that concept um and it sucked for me because in in my culture resurrection is a real thing like we think about us going back into the earth and the trees and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. um, which now i appreciate but when i was younger i was like that's a bunch of bs i don't believe that because i was still so stuck on this um commercialized oh heaven and 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 hell like that Mm -hmm. that's what we we needed to believe in because it was you know, colonized and enforced on us. So for me, I struggled a lot with that concept of can there be rebirth? Can there be resurrection? And then we have these beautiful beings on this earth, like the Rose of um, Jericho, that is literally doing that right before our eyes and, and showing us at such a small scale that it's real. So imagine- it's really interesting because actually they said that um, the the Spanish, when they came over to demonstrate resurrection, they showed the indigenous people um like to to demonstrate the resurrection of Christ. I don't know if they they Where the fuck do you think they got that from? From the African yeah, this is, this is, who this knows? Sorry, like, I curse, but literally but the, the colonizers found literally took it from the slaves themselves, from directly from Africa of the people who they had. They, yeah. they that's what they were doing. They were going around the world trying to fucking take from other people they weren't discovering anything there's no discovery when it already existed so this directly proves that they found this like oh look what we found yeah (laughs) yeah we just stole it from you know the people we enslaved um yeah enslaved is a better word than slaves so because they were enslaved um so yeah it just goes to prove and then all of a sudden it's in the freaking bible um so to me, it, it hurts my heart a little bit because it is such a precious being. And then it's being used, like you said, 
as a womb. Like, what the hell? But yeah, just, I mean, it does have connections. Okay, so it does have connections to childbirth and the womb um, medicinally. And in Ayurveda, they, they use it a lot. It's called the flower of Shakti, meaning the, the divine feminine. But in Ayurveda, it also has a more spiritual meaning. Yes. Um, so it's, it's used for childbirth, um, and also for venereal related disorders like period dysfunctions and endocrine system dysfunctions. Um, it is kept in the laboring room to protect the mother on, and the child on the metaphysical etheric astral plane, however you want to refer to it, but it's, it's kept in the laboring room in Ayurveda to protect the spirit of, the mother and the child. So it's definitely way more spiritual. Definitely spiritual. With my son, um, I don't know if many people know this, but I died giving birth to my son, my first one, um, and came back to life. And the whole period that I was on the machines, they had my mom brought in the Rose of Jericho um, and had it. She would dunk, dump it in water, take it out, let it dry overnight. In the morning, she'll come back, dump it in water. And until I woke up, Um, and that the symbolized was kind of like, so if you're dumping it in water, you're giving it life. It's kind of CPR to the plant. Mm -hmm. So it was a spiritual CPR she was doing to me so that every time she came in and did that to the Rose of Jericho, Rose of Jericho was um, connected to me and aligned with me and giving me like CPR spiritually to like Mm -hmm. bounce me back into life. Um, and, and I'll never forget it because I remember. So when you smell Rose of Jericho, it really doesn't have a distinct smell. Mm-hmm. But in the spirit, like if you, you know, if you die, I guess I don't want you to die. But when I did die and come back and I was under, I wasn't awake. Um, I was a machines. I remember the smell, this distinct smell that kept hitting me every morning. And that's when she was doing it. And I Ooh. knew in my head that it was Rose of Jericho. But in that's real life, what, yeah, it's it was super interesting. And I had said that to my mom and my mom was crying. She was like, yeah, I was working with, she called her, um, Rosa Jericho or her at the time. And she was like, I was working with her to give you life again, to bring you back. Um, so it's she, like, she just like reached out to you. She was totally reaching out to me. And, and it could be like, I, when I tell people when you're working with plants specifically, especially if it's like meditation or you're in a dream state, um, don't disregard smell, um, touch or feeling or, or even texture because the plant, at first has to connect to you in some way and it might not fully connect where you're actually hearing language. Mm-hmm. It's just a smell at first. Or it could be that you touch your arm or, or just sitting in meditation. You could feel like a rough texture in the air um, hitting against your skin and that might just feel exactly like the plant that you're working with. Yeah, so, I, I tell people that a lot too. Like the perception of energy is completely different for everybody. And like when I walk people through meditations in our newsletter and stuff, or like in the Spellbox book, I always write to like, like listen, uh, not just like listen, but like the feelings, if you get hot or cold, if you feel tingling, yeah. um, just like the all of the senses are important and everybody senses stuff in different ways. I know there's like a lot of people on the internet. They're like, I had a vivid vision with all of this like wild detail. And then some people have imposter syndrome because they're like, okay, well that doesn't ever happen to me for, so this isn't, this isn't working. What I'm doing isn't working, but you might be picking up other things like smell and texture and all of those things that we just talked about. Yeah. And honestly, for me, feeling is 
because I'm a seer, right? So I'm used to seeing. But when I feel things, to me, it's a lot more powerful. The language of touch and feeling, um, especially energy, is a lot stronger than if you were to see things um, because you just have some, there's an intimate connection. It's in your body, it's in your blood, in your bones, and, and you're just connecting to it from a different level. Um, so don't disregard that. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are what you just mentioned who would say, oh, you know, I had all this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I get a lot of first timers who tell me that. And honestly, I just kind of like, mm, are you sure you're telling me the truth? But <laughs> instead of being a dick, I'm just like, that's interesting because different people do connect differently and at different stages of your life. It depends. Just like, um, I speak about how the plant and you are the same, right? And when, if a plant is sick, um, you don't change the plant, you change it. It's, it's environment, right? So the mm-hmm. same thing with the person. So depending on what's going on in your life, you're going to experience meditations differently this year than you are next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to f- experience maybe working with your mediumship or psychic abilities different this year than you are maybe next week, um, this year, than next week, <laughs> this week, then next week. Yeah. So don't ever give up on yourself and your belief in your, in your inner magic, because everything affects it. Everything from not taking care of yourself to stressors to just even life in general, um, and keep giving it a try and keep giving it a try on, on different states of well-being as well. And you'll see that there will be a different um, difference in the way that you perceive things. The thing that you have to do is really like start leaning into your intuition and learning to trust yourself. Trust is like the biggest thing because you could get nonstop signs, but if you don't trust or believe yourself, then you're never going to receive that information because there's even just knowing like, like sometimes you just know, you know, it's not even a perceived sign. Sometimes the information is like, you just know, and you don't know why. But if you don't trust your intuition, you don't trust your gut, then even though you just know, you're not going to do anything with that info. Right. And you know what? Just knowing to me that I call it the knowing. If you have this knowing and it comes to you, that is the most powerful level of your gift because you're not doing any work. And I, I, I spoke about this the other day. Someone was like, what are you doing to like manifest so much? Cause I'm, everybody obviously sees I have so much like popping up now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, literally I slow down. Like I'm doing less of the bedazzling magic, which is using all these tools. The, yeah. the more that you work in your craft, right? The, the older you get, I'm going to be 40 in March. The, I've been doing this practically all my life. So the older you get and the more that you ha- you put work into your practice um, and actually doing the work and the root work and connecting, um, after so many years, you don't have to do so much of that because you already did it. You start, Absolutely. You already created this connection to the point that Chelsea and I, we went to the shore, right? And, and you were showing me this beautiful old... Um, old structures, I didn't have to go out there with a Ouija board or a pendulum or my tarot. Just walking there, we felt the story. We felt their vibes. We felt this knowing of what was. Just because we're already, we become these tools, a stronger, a stronger tool because we've worked on it so much. You know, you are the tool 
<laughs> that sounds horrible if you use was stupid. <laughs> but you are that tool that you have that you use and utilize and the yeah, more be a tool. It, yeah, be a tool. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> so just really work on yourself and, and really give yourself a chance and know that it does get easier and this knowing, um, quote unquote becomes part of your life. That's how ma- life becomes magic altogether all the yeah. time. Yeah. As you like in the beginning, um, I feel like, you know, when you first start the journey, like you notice the magic, but then later on in the journey, you can't tell the difference between magic and real life because you realize it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. And it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful realization. And it's what prompted me to really go deeper into the books that I'm writing moving forward. Um, because the feedback I get from my books, literally the things that I didn't think would get people's attention, um, did get their attention. Like me, just one part of the story in my first book talking about magic. Every time I walk out of the house and feel the air, like greet me or when I'm holding my child's hand and things mm-hmm. like that. And, and people are like, wow. Or watching my mom in the kitchen when I was little, people really appreciated those moments that I shared with them because they have those moments and they feel them, but they didn't really connect them to being magical. Okay. Yes. I think we're touching on something very important here because so many people use magic as escapism, but magic is not escapism. It's about like just being one with the world that you're in and the universe and, and having balance in both of those aspects. A lot of people are focused on, you know, uh, like going outward and also just like spell casting it, that is not the primary basis of like sp- witchcraft isn't just spell casting and going into the astral right you know it's breathing it's, it's living it's literally everything that you do is magical yeah it should yeah. and once you start acknowledging it that way and being mindful of it um and, and just for um I was going to say something, but I have, we're launching a business, right? That's for business. Um, and, and they were asking me, how do I do, I was just telling you, I, ha- I took the whole week off next week so I could plan my next three months ahead. Uh-huh. Um, and I, the reason why I think I do so well with business is because I approach it as a ritual. Like business is a ritual to me. It's very spiritual. Um, even the planning of it is a ceremony. It's a process. So in the process of planning and building your business, if you don't have a spirit element to it, um, it really can overtake you and really um, overwhelm you. But when you kind of mesh in that everything that you do down to like planning and numbers and, and, and building that that's also magical, things really change for you. And, 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 and effects of that exchange going inward and outward really change um, your whole world. It is not an abstract concept that business intertwines with magic. Um, You know, brands, big brands will often use occult symbolism in their branding. They will use color magic. We know some witches that actually consult uh, business, the businesses actually consult some of the witches that we know. Um, one witch we know who does this is Sarah Potter. If you want to follow her. her on Instagram, I was looking up her Instagram too. That's why I stuttered before. Uh, <laughs> her Instagram is I am Sarah Potter. If you want to follow her, she does a lot of like color magic stuff. And my husband just 
brought me a cup of coffee. So, oh, so sweet. Can I <laughs> for a second? I don't have coffee. <laughs> he must have heard me like just just crashing there. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a huge part of corporate policy or corporate creative to do color stories, have whole uh, spiritual aspects like. I'm, you know what? Maybe we can post it somewhere. But did you ever see like Pepsi's rebrand of their 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 Earth symbol no. thing? What the hell they no. have like a whole in depth, like forty page packet on the philosophy behind their symbol rebrand. That's crazy. I have a video like for Sagrada Collective. I actually have. Um, not fucking 40 pages, but I have a little, um, trailer, like a, a, a little video describing what this, the logo is and the color and the shapes and everything, because, um, so much of the occult or, or magic went into creating my brand for Sagrada. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't imagine like a big freaking company like Pepsi Okay, so it's 27 pages long. I just looked it up. It's 27 pages long, and it's all about the golden ratio of the Pepsi logo. And it starts off, and it's like um, breaking the code for innovation. And then there's like uh, the first chapter is breathtaking trajectory of innovation. And then they show like these different mathematic things um and the history and they have all these symbols they have like um the golden ratio feng shui uh the <laughs> it's, people with their product it's really it's really wild they have uh all the way back to 3000 bc and this is just in a packet about rebranding <laughs> Um, my mom this is like goes well with rosa jericho she said that brands like pepsi um the people who consume their product are their sacrifices for their ceremonial practices. Like, that is a really interesting way to look at that. She told me that, I think it was 15 years ago. And exactly 15 years ago, I stopped drinking soda. I never touched soda ever. <laughs> I'm like, I am not going to be one of their sacrifice. So sacrifice me like our, we consume these things that are so toxic to us. Um, so how do these big, rich huge um companies that supposedly they have to do sacrifices in order for them to stay intact with whatever they believe in is that whatever they're putting out there as a product is what's causing the 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 deaths and the sacrifices that will in turn bring that energy back into their business that is a really fascinating perspective i've read a lot of conspiracy theories and i've never heard anybody approach it like that that is so interesting my mom's crazy, yo. <laughs> that is very interesting. If you want to like cut a habit, you need to. T- you'll talk to her, and she'll bring. She'll just say something. And you're like, I would never. Like, I used to drink um, diet Pepsi a lot. Yeah, um, that was like back in my in my college days, because uh, you know I was poor and all I could drink was like a can of fucking Pepsi and, and a tuna can. Um, and then I just completely stopped like that. She, that's all she had to say. And I was like, um, I'm not going to fuck with this anymore. <laughs> when I went through my conspiracy, like my conspiracy theory phase, um, I 
Joe came home one day, like we were so poor too. We had like the worst food ever. And I read this book. Um, and I'm going to say what it is because I don't even want to, I don't want to influence people with it and have them think that it's the truth anyway. So it's totally like a propaganda book. So I read this book and Joe came home and I was like in my kitchen with a gigantic garbage bag, just throwing out all of our food. Like he comes in and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's all poison. All of it. We need to throw it all out. And I did, I threw out all of our food. And then I I got obsessed with like organics and all of that stuff. And it was before organics. My mom, she thought it was so annoying. She never wanted to hear the word organic ever again. Honestly, I was like, you're going to die if you don't eat organic. It's so crazy. And and we've been eating that way our whole lives, right? I know my mom, since she got here in the 80s, you know, it's what you could afford. Um, and, 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 you know, there's people who talk about that, how, um, lower income, um, especially BIPOC, um, we're forced to buy foods that are not expensive because we can't really afford it, especially back in the days, like my mom in the eighties and the nineties, she had food stamps and welfare and Mm -hmm. going in the supermarket meant filling your cart with box foods and cans and all this stuff that has chemicals and things like that, you know, and she wasn't, and she came from a country where she ate fresh food grown from her land. Yeah. Um, So she just watching my mom's pictures from when, when she was in Cuba and then from being here 10 years, my mom's health just like deteriorated and her body shape, everything, her face, her skin, everything was affected. Um, but that's just the, that's just the truth for so many of us. It is. It's it's really hard. Like I um, I was on food stamps. I lost my job when I was pregnant. I got fired while I was pregnant, which is also part of the reason why I have my own business because I never want to be in that position ever again. So powerful. Um, and I was on WIC and I was on food stamps. And going through the whole process of WIC is honestly it's really like a dehumanizing experience. Like you have to bring your baby into the office and you have to sit there. And uh like I guess I don't I don't even know why to prove that you have a baby or something. I don't it's, it's anyway, they they take your blood, they make you breastfeed in front of them. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> My sister, was, my sister worked as a breastfeed consultant for WIC for many, many years. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I, when you become a mom and then you're just like, you, here's my, I'm just going to whip my tit out in front of you and breastfeed random stranger. Like, this is going to be a, <laughs> I don't know. It was so uncomfortable. And then also they just take your blood blood and then you just like stay in a room and then they're like okay we'll give you money I guess and then just using it in the store it takes forever to go shopping because some things are wick and some things are not wick uh, yeah it yeah. was and, and the people in line they treat you like shit they do especially if they're waiting on you to like take out the, the I think I remember when I was on wick I had there were like little tickets right or little papers yeah or something yeah like <laughs> I remember, and, and you know, people waiting online will be annoyed. And yeah, they don't make them easy to process. I worked no, in a grocery don't. store too, and they take forever. They, it's like they they want to it, to make you like. Th- there's an EBT card. Why is Wix still like ancient? I don't 
know if it's still like that, but at least it was when I had to get I think it. It is because my sister worked there up until two years ago, I believe. And I think it was still the same way, but yeah, I, same for me. I, I mean, I went from, you know, I had a whole life with a husband and a house and, and, um, my newborn child and, um, a career and I divorced, left my career and I was on welfare. I was on food stamps. I was on WIC. Um, and I couldn't believe how the process itself is. I, that's why I have so much compassion, um, for people going through the system this way, because it doesn't make it easy. The, the, the upkeep with the paperwork, waiting in line, being in these buildings f- filled with people. Um, I remember when I was in college, for instance, I had no children. I was trying to get help. I was homeless and they wouldn't help me. They told me I had to have a baby in order for me to get help from the government. Yeah. You know, the first time disturbing. Yeah. The first time I applied for food stamps, I was making $13,000 a year. (laughs) That's it. $13,000 a year. And they denied me. Yeah. And then I was making less than that. The only way I was able to get, uh, hmm? no, I was saying I was making less than that because I was going to college um, and I was homeless and they wouldn't help me for shit. And I'm like, I worked most all my life, even when I was a teenager you know, I have no, no criminal backgrounds, nothing. And you're telling me as a healthy woman who's trying to go to school and trying to not live in the streets, you can't even help me. You're telling me I have to have a baby. And then if you have your little precious babies, the process is so, um, it's hard. It's really hard and stressful. Like I, I, my heart goes out to everyone who's still going through, um, going through that and who is, who are on food stamps and, and, and welfare, there's nothing to be ashamed about. I mean, absolutely nothing other than, you know, just keep you, keep hope that, you know, you, you can do so much better and that there, there's so much better that's coming for you. Um, cause I was in that, I was there, I grew up in that, you know, with my family. Yep. And then I ended up being that girl, like, I don't want to be part of this. I want to go to college. And then boom, I ended up leaving all that. And I was in that same situation myself, um, thinking I was never going to be better or do better or that my dreams didn't count. Because it seems like when you are in the system, um, everything becomes harder, right? Like Uh getting a good paying job or finding a babysitter. Holy shit. You know, your moms have to find a good paying job and then half of that more, like most of that money goes to paying your babysitter. So it's, it's really a system, you know, us liberals talking here. Um, (laughs) Annoying liberals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That, um, the system is rigged that way where it is keeping us from thriving. And that's just the freaking truth. There's no way around that. Um, but I do see that we are going towards a better future where we're seeing these truths and dismantling all of that. So for you guys that are not liberals, I don't know what the fuck you're doing listening to our podcast in the first place. <laughs> like, what the hell did you think that we were Trumpsters or something? Witches for Trump? I don't know if that even exists, but... No, it exists. It exists. Awful. Like, just stop listening and don't even bother leaving a review because all you did was make us get more listeners. Because of it. Um, how does this tie with Rosa Jericho? It's literally new beginnings that, yes, that rebirth and, and, and being in that state of not, I don't want to say death, I guess those states of 
where you just don't see a future, where you just don't see how you're going to move forward because everything just keeps repeating over and over. All the fucking things that you're trying to get out of just happen to come to you all the time. And the way I see Rosa Jericho is that it just tells you to your face that it's not, these things aren't coming to you. These things aren't happening to you. You are just in a state of literally recycling the same habits over and over Mm -hmm. until we break our own habits and really reflect on ourselves. Why is it that I get a chunk of money that comes in and it goes fast out of my pocket as soon as it came in? Like that used to be me. I would have money and abundance coming in, but it would go away just as fast. Like where am I spending it? Even if I'm spending it on bills, um, on things that I think are important, I still saw that I didn't have an ability to keep the money in. Like it just recycled in and out. And that's just a bad habit I had to really reflect on. Um, Take some courses on educating myself about money and and how to save it and financing and all that stuff. And I did all of that. Mm -hmm. And it helped me. And especially with my life in general. How do I plan being a mother of two boys? You know, most of my life I was a single mom. Um, and even being with a man, um, he's been with me almost 11 years. He has his own life. He works, you know, um, all the responsibilities always do most often, most cases comes down to the mother where the mother has to work and the mother has to take care of the house and the mother is taking care of the kids. Even if the husband helps, it's not as much as the mom does, right? Never. I don't, I don't see that happening unless it's, uh, the roles are, are switched up. I, okay. So like, it's really interesting that you talk about this because I was like thinking about this story about the Rose of Jericho and like the, the whole, the way that just portrays women as like birthers or people who can birth as birthers. Essentially. I, I was just thinking about it and I was like, Oh, I really hate this narrative. And then I was thinking maybe I need therapy around this because uh, honestly, and especially in this year, like the going through pregnancy and having a kid made me realize like I thought people were really progressive, but so many people just treat you like a birther when you have a baby. Like it's, it's mind blowing. And mm-hmm. this really started bringing up like a lot of those thoughts that I was having or like surrounding that. And especially in 2020, I know hmm, there's a lot of people out there that are probably feeling like they're getting like for the first time shoved into the kitchen. (laughs) And it's not even by like, you know, our partners or anything like that. It's just like circumstantial. Um, But having to, you know, just stay home and keep house. It just really like, uh, (laughs) sent me this past year and thinking about like that further, um, mentality has honestly really made me, um, be more empathetic towards the older generations of women in this country and think about, the collective trauma that they all must have to have lived in a perpetual state of 2020 and not be able to go out and work or have like a support system or any of that type of stuff. I've really been reflecting on that 
a lot this year. Yeah, it's it's just like the truth, right? And I also had like really um, bad issues growing up with that as well. That you know, my mom um, and older women, the way they think is you know you have to tend to your man, you have to be a good cook, and all of that stuff. So it, what happens is that it turns us to hating that, to saying like, no, that's not us. But in reality, there's nothing wrong with being great cooks and being people who are organized and know how to take care of your family. But that's not just who we are. That's the problem, right? Where society is trying absolutely to, that they're just trying to make this like this is your responsibility and that's it. You have babies, that's your responsibility, that's it. You cook, you're the woman, you tend to the man, blah blah blah. This is really old school shit, and you think we would have gotten rid of it, but it's still trickling in today's day. I mean, even through like the the elections and stuff like that, like we're sending your husbands back to work, and it's like, well, what about us? Yeah, the fucking commercials. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> my husband i need to go back to work i make more money than my husband so what the uh, f- are you talking about no but i i personally there is i have a deep love deep love of being a mom and and, and being able to cook and, and tend to my home and keeping it tight and taking care of my man i love taking care of my man but don't get it twisted. If that man turns on me and doesn't help at all, if I need help and, 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 and all of that, I'm the first one to be, you know, today's feminine. It's like, fuck you. You got to pull weight too. If I need help, especially you're going to do it. This is not my responsibility. It's my choice. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, it's not like, you know, there's no definition of what a mother should look like or be like other than having some form of love, right. For your children. That's just my opinion though. Like mm-hmm. I just, I think as a mom, you just, and it's different for everybody. Cause nowadays, if I say something, people are going to come out. Oh my God, I can't believe Juliet said that because, um, you know, not all mothers have to love their children. You know how today is, but being- well, I think that it, that's exactly it. It's such a, it's such a, being a mom in general is just such a minefield of emotions and expectations. It's so hard. It's so fucking hard being a mom. And it's as- harder as they grow older because now my kids, are, my boys are 11 and 14. And I'm like, holy shit, I have like maybe six years to like get it right. <laughs> so, yeah. so that they survive in the world. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm thinking about life skills now, right? Like I'm like, I have to teach my boys life skills. I have to teach them about money. I have to teach them about um, love and, 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 and how that should just be something that's not defined and, and all of this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. we're here trying to progress, trying to be moms trying to be women in general, um, trying to work, go to work, do work, run businesses. If we run, if you're running businesses and then worrying about the lives of your children and, and knowing that they're going to go out into the world, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's a lot. It's so scary. It's beautiful and scary at the same time, but honestly, it's more and, scarier than beautiful. But uh, in a pandemic, it's like, yeah, intensified. Was, yeah, this year was just crazy, man. I I, I don't appreciate the 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 fear and worry that came to so, parents. Yes, if you're a parent out there, like I am sending you the best this holiday season. Holidays are already stressful enough. Like without our love and and know that you are seen. Know that we know. We, we, we have compassion and love for you and understanding you are seen. You're not alone. 
um, you're doing the best you can. So please, please, please know that, that you're doing the best you can. Because even coming from, you know, having a little bit of um, more room to be comfortable this year for me, because um, I am in an online business. Mm -hmm. um, And then like really waking up to the fact like everyone else doesn't have online businesses and how much harder this is for everyone else. I, I, I see you. I see you so like so bright and, and I appreciate you for holding on and December is really waking that up. And, and Rosa Jericho really ties into that, right? Where mm-hmm. that, that dormant state, like remember it, there's life still in there. There's spirit and, and soul still in you. Um, and it will resurrect again. It will come back again. Life will, life finds a way always, man. Like I know this, like if you go back in history and you read, you read of all the plagues and all the diseases and all the wars, life just has a way of coming back. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bouncing back. And it's never easy, but it, please know that don't listen to these people out there, like really spilling so much fear of how, it's going to just be forever bad and then the world's going to end. No, it's not. It's That's literally never happened. <laughs> no, like, stop. It's never happened. It's, we've never, like, just been like, okay, plague forever. Never happened. Never. never. But also... Um, away. Always. I Also, like, you know, if you're a parent right now, too, just know someday your kids may be parents. And they are going to look at you like a literal fucking saint. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my kids don't worship me. If they don't tell my, their, my grandkids that I'm literally like the shit, I'm going to be so mad. Like, they so mad. are... Like, you need to make... You're going to be... You're going to be seen forever. Like, everything that you're doing now for your children, it might not seem that way, but... In the future, you are you are going to be that story that 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 story that they speak about their nana, um, you know, being so strong and resilient and 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 just push forward. Like we are, I am my great grandmother. Like when um, Cuba was going through this whole awful state, worse than it is, um, I look at my grandmas, my great grandmothers, and I'm like, holy shit! Like they went through all that and they stuck through it and they did what they had to do to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate them. And they're some of the, my strongest ancestors I work with, especially during these times. And that's another good thing to bring up too. Yes. Who do I connect to during a time like 2020? We're going to 2021 and I don't know for fucking shit what's going to happen at this point. I'm just like, I'm prepared for doomsday and I'm prepared for like good stuff. <laughs> I'm prepared for both. Um, I'm hopeful for the future. I, I'm super, super hopeful, but I'm definitely prepared like if I need it, you know, we, we have things in stock, we have things like medicine and things just in case, um, you know, and what was I saying? Oh yeah. So it's really important to connect to those ancestors that, you know, were going through these times, um, back in the day, especially if they survived through it, if they went through it, those are the ones that are there with you, literally cheering you on and telling you, um, kicking up your instincts on what you do this year, right? We've mm-hmm. we talked about like this whole instinct of right away when um, the virus came out, um, we all naturally went directly to natural healing herbal remedies. Like mm-hmm. I had 
hundreds of messages in my inbox and calls from my family. Um, what do we do? You know, herbal medicine for this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Aren't you the person that used to tell me, Oh, just grab a Tylenol fucking flu thing. And it's all good. And now they're wanting like, you know, these ancestral remedies and things like that. And I think it's just that the instincts, our ancestors really came out during these times and like, we got you, you're going to be okay. Like just go back to your roots and, and, and really try to connect to those ancestors. Yeah, and then it's also interesting to consider like this this period of your life right now is going to make you such a powerful like future ancestor too. Ooh, we're gonna like, be badass ancestors. One badass. day, like your your people are gonna call on you and you're gonna just know what the fuck to do because you live through this shit. And it's gonna whether you believe in like ancestral magic or just that information passing down scientifically through the DNA, like this is a very, very important moment in up-leveling like your future generations yeah you're gonna have you're gonna be an ancestors and you're gonna be called on so this is i i think this would be fun if we did this so after this episode if you guys could tag us in the stories or wherever you post um and tag us with Four things, right? If you were an ancestor right now, four things that you would want on your altar for them to worship you. <laughs> I love that. I would love to see. And I think it's really important because I've been thinking about it um, lately. Um, what would I want? Like, what would my um, future family, you know, calling me as an ancestor put on my altar? Like, what are the things that I actually would appreciate and really feel connected to. And that just brings up a question to you today in your present time. Like, who are you right now? Like, what is it that you're really connected to? What is it that you would really appreciate, um, to have on a space that's your altar, your sacred space that defines what would you have? Yeah. What would you have? No, what would you have? Me? Like you, Julia. (laughs) Cannabis. Uh Uh-huh. Um, ironically water like anything related to water like seashells um Mm -hmm. just remind me of the smell of the sea like the salty sea i feel like that's what my mom would want yeah that's like so important to me that's my medicine um plants please my altar should look like a little plant forest um that's three things so far right yeah and it's so weird i think honestly putting pictures of my children or of my my own family there because I'm so 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 attached to my babies and attached to them and I love them that I think just putting their pictures on my altar would really bring me back to center like remind me of that strength I had as a mom and love I love that that's the only love I really know to be honest all of my years of being in relationships um, yes, I love my man. Yes, I love my ex-husband. But never have I loved like I love my children or my cats. Oh, shit, cats. You could put cat pics too. <laughs> There's so much stuff. Like, I was thinking yes. about it. Yes, but I think mainly would be the things that remind me of me, which to that center me, which is the cannabis spirit, which is the, the, the scent of the, the ocean, the water, um, plants, and then images of my children and my cats, I guess, because that's where I found real true love, to be honest. Yeah. How about you? Okay. So cake. (laughs) Cake. 
so good. Cake, cake um, coffee. Yes. Like, if you want my attention, I'm going to need some daily coffee. Awesome. Um, soft fabrics. Like, the altar that I would have would have to have, like, really, like, soft, soft nice fabrics. Like and then also acts of self-care. Yes. Well, for for them to do acts of self-care? Yes, take care of themselves. That's fucking badass, bitch. I love that. So, I love that so much. Can I add that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then I'll steal the pictures of my kids from you so so we can spot that. You can, okay, so four, we'll do four things instead of three. Or what so, like, okay. also, if you, like, if you don't, if you, when... If you outlive us or something, you can like petition us. Uh, also, feel free to hard style pose on my grave one day. I'm totally cool with that. Because like, um, <laughs> I want to have a grave. I want to have a big gaudy grave. Oh, and you know what else? Gold. Gold because not because I'm greedy, but because it, I feel connected through my family lineage by wearing gold. Like I wear gold. My mom is a gaudy Italian. She wears gold. Um, and so did all the, like, you know, the ladies that came before her. And so like gold is like my, through my mom's lineage, how I connect with them. That's so funny. My, 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 we're Cuban. So gold is also very, like, they were gaudy jewelry also. I feel like there's a lot of connections with Cubans and, and Italians. I think so um, too, for sure. Yeah. I always see like these, these, um, similarities like the big family the the loudness the the love enjoying the drama and then the kitchen is huge in cuban it's also italian uh-huh. um that whole lavish life also like it, it's just it connects a lot with a lot of the cubans but my mom for instance i have this horrible horrible eighth grade picture school picture um my mom for us to look good for pictures it was straighten my curly hair right because that's how we were brought up curly hair mm-hmm. You know, straight hair is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, shit in my curly hair. And then put like 10 tons of fucking jewelry on me of gold. That, <laughs> and I think that's why I don't like wearing jewelry. I went through a whole phase, like maybe 15, 20 years of no jewelry on me, please. I fucking hate it. Now I'm going back to it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually buying like dainty pieces that I really love, that are really sacred to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my mom, there was this big pendant a huge one of a huge Indian, like with a headdress in gold. Because uh-huh. <laughs> that's what Cubans would wear. And I had that in my eighth grade picture. Like, I think it was like four big giant necklaces, like big chains, big giant earrings. And all that stood out was the fucking gold in the picture. I'm like, I can't believe the school actually allowed me to wear all the <laughs> I have to see some of these photos. Oh my God. I'll bring them next time when I go to your house. I can't wait. I'll show you mine. Mine are like ridiculous from when I was younger. My mom put me in like sequins and satin and I have this like 80s hair. <laughs> I can't. I can't. She, no, well, you know, she was like a, a bartender at a strip club. So yes. it was like super gaudy. Like, so oh gaudy. God. I love our stories. Even, you know, uh, we have very painful stories, but it's just when we connect at a, a soul level of, you know, having these similarities and, and I feel your pain, you feel mine, but we also find some humor in it. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta look back and laugh at some things. Otherwise it's just too dark. It is. It's way too fucking dark. Like I always say it once I, I you know, writing my whole story. I'm like, I think I could write like fucking 20 novels of all the damn horrible things that happened in my life. It's awful. But you have to find some humor in it. And 
and and know that you're not alone that you know this happens this has happened to a lot a lot of people like we're not alone in in having pain um growing up in our childhood so this actually is really interesting like this whole conversation that we're having cuz i wrote before this episode um and this is my UPG or unverified personal gnosis. Um, but if we're going by the principles of, you know, like, like cures like, and then like other shamanic guiding principles for plant identification and looking at the basic symbolism of plants and how to apply it, like as you would in street magic or like city witchery, I think that this plant, I, I did not find this association anywhere. Um, but for like adaptability, adapting to new or suddenly harsh situations or situations that are difficult to thrive in. Yes. Like I feel like this is a good plant for enduring because it does endure until it, it finds its moment to, you know, be nurtured again and nourished. Yes. A hundred percent. I actually write about that in my book. Oh, and see, we're on the same, we're yeah, on the same page here. On the plant wisdom part. And, and one of the sentences I write here, which is really important, especially moving into 2021, is that Rosa Jericho teaches us that we can't expect to know who we will be in the future because we are always changing. Our future self is not set in stone. But Rose of Jericho shows us how to celebrate who we are in the present moment. Rise from the ashes and come forth reborn with Rosa Jericho. And it's, yes. it's so important to know that because... I, I I always say, but I, I fall prey to it. I, I fall prey to, you know, thinking too much into the future where it freaks me out, where I'm like, I can't see it. I can't see what next year is. Like now I don't know what the fuck next year is. Like I mm-hmm. just, I'm blinded. Um, what I want it to be and what it will be is two different things, right? And yeah. what I've learned from this year, wait, yeah. From what I learned from 2020 is that in 2020, 19, I was planning 2020. I mean, I had air ticket, um, airline tickets. I had trips all over the place. I had my whole year planned out. I mean, my whole fucking year was planned. Yeah, in January I planned my whole year essentially. Year, and then 2020 said, "Fuck your time and planning the whole year. It's not gonna happen, bitch." And what I learned is, I really did get angry. I really did went into depression, like a lot of us did. But I found that. I need to stop fucking planning a whole damn year ahead. Like I yeah. need to live in the present moment because we're forgetting to be present. We're forgetting to be us right now. Um, mm-hmm. Me right now at my weight, I have to stop putting on my calendar a month from now, I want to reach this goal weight. Two months from now, I want to be in this goal weight. And what's that doing? What's What that is doing, it's a keeping you from appreciating or being present in your current way, in your current state, in your current mm-hmm. health. Um, and then those plans don't work. They never, how many, I don't know if you're like me. I, I don't know if you've done this before, but I would, if I'm like trying to lose weight, I will at the end of the, each week on my calendar, I would write what I thought I would lose. Like say I would lose four pounds each week. That's like my goal. So on my calendar, I would write my weight four pounds less every single week. Um, and what ended up happening is that when I didn't reach those goals, it's on my fucking calendar and that shit would make me mad sad. I'm like, damn, yeah, I can't do that. I cannot I can't. set those types of goals. Cause then I'll also, it'll set like a, a cycle of like me disappointing myself. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I would do without wanting to do it. And I think a lot of us do that, not just in that way that I described, 
but also by setting all these goals and setting your planning for a whole year, you're just like, fuck, it just, it's a constant disappointment. And then you're not appreciating what you've already accomplished or what you're already going through or where you are right now. So I'm really trying, I cut down my planning to, um, three months ahead now, instead of a whole year. And yeah, I leave a lot of room open for, oh shit moments. <laughs> like I literally leave like at least three days open, uh, where I don't plan those days. And those days I just have to take care of life because life happens. You don't know what's going on. You have to, you have to let the universe kind of like surprise you. Sometimes you have to allow yourself to grow as you go on a daily basis and, and, and give room for growth. Because if you're planning ahead, you're not giving room for growth. You're actually setting, um, how, how do you say you, you're setting standards or, mm-hmm. um, you're setting limits, right? Because maybe what you thought was something, a higher level and you're planning it out for the year, maybe you could have done better, but you're limiting yourself because okay. you're setting yourself to just think in a certain way. Yes. Yes. And I think this ties back into, okay, so this is all tying back in a nice little bow to everything that, um, Rose of Jericho represents in my mind. Um, first of all, we were talking about manifesting and all of that stuff. And sometimes, uh, you can force your will in a way that is not conducive to your actual growth or life purpose. And I actually actually was like pondering this recently and maybe it came up from researching Rose of Jericho. Um, but the more that I learned to just go with the flow and just be and follow my intuition, the less I have to manifest. And then I end up at the places where I'm supposed to be with the things that I need instead of the things that I just want. Right. Yo, you know, yo, I just said yo, because it's mind blowing. I literally, I told you before the call that next week I took off, right. To plan Mm -hmm. the next three months. And part of the planning that I've never done before is literally my plan is to work on shit. That's not working for me. Like planning how to address my bad habits, planning how to address me not following through on my self care as often as I want to, instead of trying to manifest shit, because I always, I'm great at manifesting. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are, we just don't freaking know it. We don't know how powerful we are at manifesting. Um, but it's mostly because of our not paying attention to the things that are blocking that manifestation from coming through. Can we also talk about manifesting real quick? Somebody messaged me recently uh-huh. and they were like, I feel like I, I, we did this, you know, spell and it, everything's going wrong now and blah, blah, blah. When it comes to manifesting, if you're manifesting something and there's already something taking up that space for your manifestation, that thing is going to have to crumble. Those systems are going to have to come down. So if you are constantly manifesting, you're also constantly going to be destroying the systems and things that are taking up the space of the future manifestation. Yes, we are creators and destroyers. That's who we are. That's what humans are because we are magic in order for us to create, things have to be destroyed. And a lot of those things are systems or just things in our lives, period. From spiritual, yeah. emotional, mental to real life relationships and friendships and work and all of that. Yes. I, I do the, the candle service for people, right? That's something that literally sells out every freaking month. 
And I literally have a warning. I tell them, you want to manifest this in your candle, but you have to understand that when, when you're working with people who know how to manifest, I am here to tell you that you have to be prepared to lose something. Mm-hmm. Lose something as in mountains have to move, right? And when you're mm-hmm. moving mountains, that is breaking the land. That's moving shit apart. Things are falling into those cracks that are, are now open, right? To make room for that thing or desire that you want to bring towards you. And most often than not, those things that do go away never served you in the first place. So. Yes. Um, it's hard for people to detach from that. Um, especially when it's love, I I get a lot of people who, um, want love to like rekindle. And I always warn them. I tell them, listen, if that love isn't meant to be with you and we do this service, my service isn't for you to have false love. My service is going to be for you to really have true love for, for you to really find something that's going to be beneficial for you and the person that you're speaking of, right? Because we don't do that fake magic falling in love shit. Um, So what ends up happening sometimes is that their relationship instantly just like boom breaks and they're like, my candle didn't work. I'm like, no, yeah, it did. Because all that that told you was that you knew that love wasn't real and that's why you looked out service in the first place. So now my service is happening and all that service is doing is literally giving you what you want, which is true love. And that relationship wasn't that. It wasn't something that was serving you. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people, they tend to um, attack the people who are helping them. Um, because it doesn't, the the effect isn't their desired outcome. And the truth is you don't know what your desired outcome is until you really reflect on that shit. Mm -hmm. Sorry, just had to preach there a little bit. No, no, a thousand percent. (laughs) No, I completely agree. Like even, you know, if you're, if say you're going for like financial gain and then you're like, it's not working. I lost my job. And then you get a better job. Yes. And it doesn't happen immediately, right? Like this year I found so many people who lost their jobs, right? Yes. Obviously because of what's happening, but what if, what if 2020 happening and and these jobs stopping really did help a lot of people um, get out of jobs that they didn't even like in the first place? Yes. Now you have a lot of people who are you know, questioning life again, questioning themselves. What do I want to do moving forward? What job should I look for? Should I start a new business? Should I be an entrepreneur? So it really did shake us in a bad way. But sometimes um, some of that bad that we're not comfortable with because we're so used to being in our fucking comfort zone. Yes. It does shake us to a point that we're like, holy shit, this was actually a good thing for me. A thousand percent. That was whole, my whole story. You know, just like getting, getting fired while I was pregnant, it felt like the earth was fucking shattering and, you know, being extremely, extremely poor and just living this really hard life shook me to my core. And then finally I was like, enough, I'm going to take control of my life. I'm not going to allow my future to be in anyone else's hands ever again. And I'm going to start my own business. And I see a lot of people doing this now. A lot of people are starting businesses. Obviously not everybody's meant to be entrepreneur. It's a very, very hard life, but you know, I see a lot of people taking control of their own personal, um, you know, career path. And that's, it, it may seem hard right now. Um, but eventually it builds a stronger foundation for you. And that's what I went through is just, you know, the struggle just seeming endless. And then 
leading into something really, really beautiful where I have built this strong foundation for myself and I can be the mother that I want to be because I can be present when I want to be present. I don't have to miss, you know, gymnastics or this because I have a boss who won't let me be there or, you know, I feel in control. So I really want to kind of like talk really quick before we end on how to use Rosa Jericho and especially at this time. Um, a really powerful thing that I didn't know, I didn't learn this from anyone. This was something that annoying, <laughs> you know, that came um, this year. I cried a lot. And the only person that knows this is Chelsea. Like Chelsea is my BFF and I've told everybody, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I bother her like crazy. I annoy her. And no, you don't annoy me. <laughs> and that's why we're BFFs because I don't annoy you. And I'm fucking yeah. annoying sometimes. So I literally, you know, that I've, you know, we've all had hard times and, and me, it's so hard for me to talk to people. I don't talk to anybody about my hardships or what I'm going through. Um, you know, that's just from me growing up, tra- having to do everything on my own and, and, mm-hmm. and having to deal with shit and, and just hide it within me. And, you know, it's trickled onto my adulthood, but now I, you know, I've been blessed. Like for me, one of the biggest blessings for 2020, no lie and no, like, being fluffy is definitely Chelsea. Like your friendship. I actually lost my old, my best friend, my old best friend. She disappeared on me. Like literally in the worst year, she was my best friend for kind of a best friend. Like I didn't know what a best friend was until I met Chelsea. Um, but she was supposed to be that best friend for like over 14, 15 years. And the year that I needed her most, she just fucking bounced on me. Um, but then I was destroyed by that, right? Like, I couldn't believe it. And then, boom, my relationship with Chelsea. I'm like, holy shit, bitch, I don't even remember that old bitch anymore because I got you. That's how the universe is, right? So Sometimes, also, it's okay if people come and go in your life. And I was just having this conversation with Joe about how sometimes, you know, people need to go on their own journey. And it doesn't mean that they don't like you or... Sorry, I inhaled my coffee. Um, people need to go on their own journey sometimes. Sometimes like your journey is together and then you guys have done everything that you need to accomplish together and it's time for you to part ways. Like I have had a lot of really close friends in my life and when it was time for them to go, it's time for them to go. Sometimes there's hard feelings, sometimes there's not, but I feel like we always come full circle eventually. Anybody that you really have a true connection with in life you have as a friend forever, regardless of whether you go through a drought, a dry spell or whatever, where you guys stop talking for a couple of years, you always pick up at the same place. Oh, hell no. Not, not this Latina. Hell no. She could go fuck herself. <laughs> Sorry. You <laughs> she, never know. You never oh, know. Oh my God, bitch. Like literally you have no idea. I, we've been, I've been there for her all my life. Like I, I would drop everything when I needed to. And this year I lost my second mom. And she wasn't, she, she, I never heard from her. Like, it's just, I understand this whole parting thing. It's happened with like other friends, but at the point of where, you know, you're knowing that your, your best friend is going through something or that if this is a tough year, I should check in on them. No, like, no, like, I know this is forever ended. It's not going to come back around, but I do see it that the time that we did have together was special and it is a cycle that definitely ended this year. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm a Pisces or whatnot, but 
This is also a big year of endings. Yeah, it was definitely a hard, it's a hard ending. There is no possibility of coming back from that because my trust is completely gone. But either way, I understand that you, what you're saying with like just people in general, like going away from each other here and there. And we actually had that kind of relationship where during the summer, I would never see her. We would always catch up again in the fall, all the way through the spring. And in the summer, she's doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. But this year was different. Like you could feel it. Like it, I was ghosted completely. Um, and I'm taking that personal. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll is. heal. I'll do some healing work. Okay. Yeah. Not yet. I, not yet. <laughs> we were talking about grudges before this too. I know. I'm gonna, like, I don't hold a grudge. I'm going to hold this grudge like I'm a fucking Taurus and I'm not a Taurus. I'm going to uh. cry. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to hold this grudge as long as possible. No. Going, you know, no. Anyway, so definitely with Rosa Jericho, um, I find I found that crying to Rosa Jericho and allowing those tears to be what um, nourishes the Rosa Jericho, it's really really powerful. So when you get Rosa Jericho, obviously it's dry, right? It's in a dry state or in that death state. Um, you get a bowl and you put some water, you put the Rosa Jericho in it where the bottom roots are some like underneath the water. You don't have to submerge the whole Rosa Jericho. Actually, that's doable. I actually do that like in a big vase, but if you're not going to pay attention to it all the time, it could become very moldy and smelly. Like there's Mm -hmm. a whole process to being able to finally let it swim in underwater, but that's something complete. That's another level of tending to it. But the, the basic one and the more um, simple way is to just have a bowl and, and put some water where it's only covering the bottom roots and then it would open up, right? And using Rosa Jericho on your altar as a healing companion, right? Not mm-hmm. um, And praying to Rosa Jericho to really take this pain from you. Sometimes we don't know really what's bothering us sometimes because there's so much going on. Have you ever just like broken down and you're like, because you've hold, held so much in it at one point, it just like burst out? Yeah. Um, so you're like, why am I crying? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, fucking happens to me all the time on Pisces. So I freaking working as a companion with Rosa Jericho, I really do feel a companionship with Rosa Jericho. When you're really open with um, your Rosa Jericho and you talk to... I don't want to say him or her, him or her, um, and speak to it and pray and, and tell it your problems and your, and your good stuff too. Like talk about gratitude with Rosa Jericho. Talk about your hard times. Talk about this, maybe this feeling of emptiness or, or worry, or you don't, don't know where to pin, like pin it. Um, you were talking about that. You want probably do some healing work around the whole womb thing, right? Chelsea? Yeah. Just like, (laughs) yeah. So for me too, like I have, things too that I have to reflect on that maybe I don't see it as an issue, but maybe if it bothers me so much, I have to address it. I have to like check myself. So Rosa Jericho to me is a perfect companion, plant companion to work with these things. Um, um, Collect your tears in a little vial or however you want and pour it over Rosa Jericho and then ask Rosa Jericho to please take that pain or that worry away from you, but to also help you um, reflect on what it is. So after you pour the tears, sit down and meditate and allow Rosa Jericho's spirit to go through you and actually really bring up what's the underlying 
um, truth to how you are feeling, what's causing it. Um, and if it doesn't happen the first time, keep doing it. Like keep working with Rosa Jericho, give um, him or her a good two, three weeks before you actually feel um, like truth coming out of you. Because it takes a little while for Rosa Jericho to trust you. Um, mm-hmm. It wants to be worshipped. It wants to feel like it's important because it should be. Rosa Jericho is very sacred. It is very important plant. Um, it's a very unique plant. It's as unique as you are. There is no one like you out there and there will never be someone out there like you. Definitely work with Rosa Jericho when it comes to healing and reflection matters. Um, and I think that once you do that and create that bond with yourself and with Rosa Jericho, later on you could uh, work with Rosa Jericho for, for manifesting, for happiness, for prosperity, and things like that. You can't just pray to God and ask God to give, give, give all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You have to also pray for in gratitude and, and show your appreciation. You just don't take. So the same thing um, is in this presence when you're working with Roger Jericho. It's like first create that bond. First be very yeah. vulnerable. Do the healing work. Um, get very intimate with each other. And then you go into, hey, let's work with manifesting now. Let's, let's talk about my dreams and my desires. Let's talk about those things now. That's how I... So, okay. So I see that like in a a lot of texts and stuff like that. Although there's not a lot of texts that this plant is in. Like I've gone through just researching for this episode, maybe between 30 and 50 books I've browsed to, to look for Rose of Jericho in them. And I've noticed that this is not really in a lot of books, but where I have seen it, I've seen that it's for healing, prosperity, luck, success, holding on to money, removing hexes and curses, etc. And I, I so agree with all of these things now that we've talked it out because I feel like what it does is it removes that blockage from you that is not allowing you to flourish in those areas. Yeah, it fucking resuscitates you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a resetter. It really, and it's a resetter with looking at where the blocks are. So it's not going to just magically reset you. It's going to, like we said about manifesting, it's going to move those mountains. It's going to take the junk out. It's going to bring it to the surface so that you do the work. It's not like a magic, oh, Rosa Jericho, please make this vanish from my life. No, what Rosa Jericho is going to do is help you identify the blocks or the other underlying issues bring it to the surface, right to your face where you could address it yourself and then get rid of it so that then Rosa Jericho, when you're ready to manifest, it could bring all these beautiful things into your life and keep those things that actually serve you for your best. Yeah, and that's very interesting because I also wrote here at the end of my notes that also it's a nice reminder to take your time and be patient with yourself because eventually you will find the ideal circumstances to bloom. You know, Rose of Jericho isn't only Rose of Jericho when it's blooming. It's Rose of Jericho the whole time. Oh, that's so beautiful. That fucked me up right now. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm putting tears. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I mean, we we like when we look at ourselves, we kinda like when especially us or people in general, we kinda 
let go of ourselves, right? Because we're paying attention to everything else. We have so many responsibilities. We're mm-hmm. trying so hard on this whole self-love, self-care, right? And we know that it's important, but it's kind of impossible sometimes. Um, and that's okay, right? Because when you look, what you just said is exactly how I'm trying to approach my self-care and self-love, where just because, you know, I've gone through many years or many periods of time where I, I don't focus fully on my self-care and self-love. I'm not fucking broken. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not lost. I'm still me. I'm still me. And, and I've been approaching myself that way. Like now I'm buying clothes that I actually like to fucking wear in a size smaller because I know that I am, I'm, I'm, I'm important enough to myself. I know that I'm the same person. I know that I didn't lose myself because my health changed because my weight went up because life got hard. I'm still me, right? I'm just going through a fucking hurdle right now. We all are. We all go through these hurdles in life, but that doesn't change who you truly are, the essence of who your truth is. So mm-hmm. that's, really, that's really beautiful because that's what Rosa Jericho should symbolize is you could bounce back, you could come back, you could have new beginnings, you could have these rests, resting states or these stagnant states and you're still you. You're still you. You never lost yourself and you never will. And you're you in both scenarios. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and I would be the first one to tell you that I didn't see that. I didn't see that when I was diagnosed with lupus and, you know, my whole life was like at its highest. My career was at its highest. And then all of a sudden lupus came in and fucked me up. And then I gained all this weight and then I had to deal with all this other personal stuff. But you know what that did though? It helped me really go in again, like truly go inward and clean up the garbage that was in there. The stuff that I kept hiding that was in there for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really cleaned house, spirit house is how I call it. I cleaned my spirit house. And now since I cleaned that spirit house, I'm able to focus on my physical body and I'm treating my body like a fucking goddess. Like, I've never done that before. I've never um, looked at myself or felt this powerful in my life. Like, I am not looking the way I want to, but I feel the most powerful I've ever had. Because I came to the realization that I am still me. That I am a house for my spirit, which is sacred. That I am a house that's housing and holding my ancestors. So how dare I not appreciate and take care of this body, of this temple? Um, so that's how I've been looking at it. And now I'm just like, can't fuck with me. That's why I'm going to hold that grudge, girl. I'm going to hold that grudge. <laughs> that's why. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm appreciating me being mad at something that shouldn't have happened to me. And then yeah. we'll over it later. Well, I do think it's also toxic to have to feel like we need to forgive every single person. Like, oh, we do not need to forgive. I and do that's, not. That's my, oh. that was, yeah. And that was my issue as a, a I'm a Pisces. I'm a true fucking Pisces. Mm-hmm. And, and as and I have a huge freaking heart that I always, my thing is I always forgive. I forgive so fast and it kind of feels good to set, for me, holding this grudge is a, a setting a boundary for myself. There and, you go. You um, were wondering why Tauruses don't apologize. <laughs> I know, I was asking her, I'm like, why do, because my man is Taurus. I'm like, he could hold a grudge for like two, three weeks and it's insane. And he, he'll still never say sorry in the 11 years that we've been together for anything. So we were talking about that because Chelsea's a Taurus. Um, so it's very interesting how we could learn from each other Um, even our characteristics where it will benefit. Like for me, I'm taking that characteristic and I'm using it to my benefit because my fail was that when she did fall, 
didn't fall through, I would always forgive her and go back to the friendship like nothing ever happened. And then, you know, if anything, maybe it was my fault that this year happened and this breakup happened because I never really saw the red flags all these years before. Well, sometimes too, when you set a boundary, then, you know, yeah, it's a Shit hard happens. boundary. It's going to be hard to take down. Yeah. It's bigger than fucking Trump's wall, I'm telling you. Oh, God. <laughs> My son laughed. All right, well, I also thought there... So there were some things that came up for me when I was researching this, too. And um, a couple of things that this really reminded me of that I think... And this is also UPG, unverified personal analysis. Um, But I think that this would go really well with Desert Rose Selenite. For some reason, I just feel like they have very similar energies. Um, also, moss agate, I feel like would be a good crystal to use while working with Rose of Jericho because it has that um, like midwife energy to it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and also just thinking about like what I, I think that this has really... Ex- this is perfect timing for this episode. Like, what do you want to birth in 2021? Not like what, like it does, this doesn't have to be about physical birth. Like what spiritually would you like to birth next year? And if you're going to work with Rose of Jericho at the end of the year, I think that's a very interesting thing to ponder for yeah. 2021. A hundred percent. Now we'll end it there because it's such a beautiful and powerful message. Um, and and you know we're in a we're in an era where we went from being people who didn't plan or try to manifest to being excessively planners and, and excessively ma- trying to manifest where we're forgetting the essence of of the presence which is really important as well so work with Rosa Jericho I can't wait to see your tags for your altar um, offerings that's going to be fun and you can tag us at, you want to? Yeah. So me, I am Juliet Diaz, literally in all social media platforms. And please, follow me on TikTok because you should have a TikTok. It's like the fun, funnest. You hear me? It's like such a, a, a different world from Instagram, but I think it really does bring out the creativity in a lot of people. And it's a lot of joy too. Um, you can follow me at Stay at Home Witch on Instagram. On TikTok, I am... Chelsea the Witch, and then I'm Witch Baby Soap also on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, and if you haven't bought my book, bitches, please go buy it. It's um the new book, Plant Witchery. Yes, and her book actually has Rose of Jericho. I'm like, yeah, that's what I was reading from a little while ago. The tens of books that I browsed through today that did not have one single thing about Rose of Jericho. Yeah, I definitely that was definitely a must have in my book. Um, and, and really look into ways of working with Rosa Jericho. There's so many ways with working with it, but try the simple method that I told you first because it's the root work way of working with it to start. And then you can go up into more powerful ways of working with it. Well, I think that's it for today. Yeah, bye. Have a good day.